This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash thecitadelcafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 467 for Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen is back. Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters. That's Stephen with a PH. Hello, sir. Hello to you too. It's been a while. It has been a hot minute. It has indeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, a little bit of a a summer hiatus uh, as things got busy with your work and uh, my life and uh, the whole kind of uh, sphere of things that happened. We had a big Minecraft release in June and I think that all kind of snowballed into just having a lot of plates spinning. Right. But, uh, and we'll get into this in a second, I'm hoping to get the Citadel Cafe back on track and hopefully back to at least a weekly, if not uh, a bi-weekly schedule. So that's hopefully good news going forward. Do have a guest coming up, uh, Tadpole Milk going to be a a guest on the show they are a twitch streamer you can look them up nice really jolly fellow i'm i'm looking forward to to hanging out with uh with them so uh we'll see what's what's up there i think that's next week as a matter of fact so you can look forward to that in the meantime what have you been geeking out on this summer oh i wish i could say i had a lot of time for geeking out but i've been busy with work lately so um i tend to geek out about things that people probably don't really care about so what the thing the thing that's been keeping me so busy at work is we we've been using this system for project management, an online system called Redbooth. And we um essentially one of the reasons we signed up for it was because it did it did everything we needed to for work. Plus they said, if you sign up now, you can get locked in at this price. And so we thought, okay, let's do it now. We'll get locked in. There were other comparable uh products out there like a bit some of the big ones like Asana. I think it's pronounced Asana and Reich and Monday and just things like that. Um, but we signed up for Redbooth and thinking that, you know, great, we're going to have this locked in price and we're good to go. But they just recently sent us a uh, a message to say, sorry, we're no longer, but the word wasn't honoring, but basically we're no longer offering the grandfather the price in. So uh, we're going to move you to uh, the new price on the tier, which is <laughs> basically twice what we're paying. So that was uh, my manager basically said at that point, you know what, um, if we've got to pay twice as much, let's see what else is out there. Because if, you know, there might be something that's better for the new price or there might be something out there that's cheaper kind of thing. So, and this is a uh, researching new software or apps or solutions. I just, I love it. I have no idea why, but it's like, what? You want me to try 18 different solutions to find out the best one for our team? I'm on it. I'm like a, <laughs> like a dog, <laughs> a dog with a bone. I'm just like sign up for so many services and then like export our, all of our products from Red Booth and then import to the other services to see how the file, see how they come in. I create multiple dummy accounts for myself so that I can share projects myself and see how they work. Like I just... I eat it all up. And so I've been doing this in like my evenings and weekends just because I know it's it's one of those things that I couldn't really realistically do that during the day and still get kind of product work done and emails caught up and stuff like that. But it's like, I love it. It's just, I, f- I feel like I could do 
Like if somebody wanted to pay me to just kind of test solutions for them and then offer my suggestion, I feel like I'd be happy with that as a job. But I was about to say, man, it sounds like a side hustle in the making. Like how often do you think companies are just like, we have six people that all have full-time jobs. We need to replace software X. None of us have the time to research software X. Yeah. Ultimately, they just go with the first or second choice and then they end up having headaches later down the line, all that kind of stuff. Like I said, it's it sounds like a really cool opportunity to like to find like maybe a, a niche market yeah i can think of i can think of some help that that cosmic and i could use as a matter of fact because we're looking into different furniture mods for the citadel server and oh, yeah. going through all the different options as to what would be best for the server as a whole what mod offers enough furniture but doesn't have a lot of like make easy win button stuff with modded minecraft because like sometimes it can be like really like yes you want a couch and a chair and tables and stuff, but you don't want blenders and frying mm. pan. You know, you don't want all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and whether or not those kind of things can be turned on or off and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, it's it sounds really cool. And and I can appreciate why you would be wanting to do it in your spare time because ultimately, if the choice is made with the best, the research has been done and you've come up with this is the best option for us. From an organizational standpoint, it benefits you in the work environment. <laughs> like why no, wouldn't exactly. why wouldn't you invest the time, right? Yeah. And then, you know, I was going to say selfishly speaking, but that's not really it. But it once I've had a chance to test them all, it's also, well, I guess it is selfishly. I get to find out which one sort of fits my work habits the best. But everyone, everyone on my team, they all know that, like, if they get questions about software, I'm one of the people they come to, or like, I need help setting this up. You know, Steven can help me with this. So they know that I enjoy this. And sometimes I'll just get a message so like you're talking about it being a side hustle. Sometimes I'll just get a message and it's like, um, we need to find something that does this. Is that something you'd find out for us? I'm like, leave it with me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Red Booth was pretty good for what we were using it all, all this time. But then it's, there, were, there were a couple of features that were not quite there. And, it, and some people might just roll their eyes at me even geeking out about this. But just you, you can have project tasks. And, and these tasks can have subtasks, but there was never really a way to assign a subtask, which was okay, but it was just one of those things we always thought would be great. So then either way, we found one called ClickUp. Um, this is not a paid endorsement. We just, you know, through the research and found it, it's, uh, it basically has all of the features that we were using in Red Booth available in their free tier, including assignable subtasks. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is... <laughs> this is the one and so i i tested it um invited everybody to it imported all of the tasks blah blah like i won't bore you with all the details but basically got it set up tested it showed it to my team showed it to my manager and would like we switched over to it yesterday so it was just you know a lot of time spent researching it and getting the data in there and we've we've had to kind of tighten purse strings a little bit just things have been tight financially so with with budgets and stuff so to be able to find a tool that does what we need it to do for free was like icing on the cake. So that's the level of geeking out I've been doing for the last little while. <laughs> it's an attractive app too. Like I just looked it up on Google while you were yeah. talking and it's, it's nicely designed. It's very clean color coding. One of my favorite things. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I really like the way that it, it looks. I hope all the things that you guys are using stay in the free tier because I have had a similar situation to was it called Red Door? What was the other one called? Red Red Booth? I was close. I use Blueberry to track this podcast as well as the Spun Chunks podcast. And for the longest time, 
they had like your top 10 countries, your download, you know, history for your episodes, uh, your overall downloads. And then if you wanted to drill down beyond that, like if you wanted deeper metrics, if you wanted those kind of things, it would cost money. Right. I don't host with Blueberry. A lot of people pay to host their files on Blueberry. I just run a link in front of it and use their free kind of um, statistics tool. And they've moved all of the things that I use on our quarterly hangouts behind a paywall, $50 oh. a year, just so I can look at how many downloads my episodes have had over the last three months. Now, they still track the last 30 days, but after 30 days, they just don't give you the information. Like I can't, I can't see beyond four or five episodes on the spawn chunks because they just don't show me past 30 days ago. And so now I have to enter in the data on a spreadsheet every single week, rather than once every three months when we do the hangout, log in, look at the three months, look at the cumulative downloads. And the thing is there is that with a show like the Spawn Chunks and an audience like Minecraft players, they tend to deep dive. So they show up for mm -hmm. the latest and they go, oh, it's a whole week before the next one comes out. There's 253 others. Let's go listen to them. So we still see, especially with our guests interviews, our you know developer interviews, we see a lot of uh, catalog diving. But now I can't track that. I can't track for free uh, the amount of downloads that happen on a podcast episode for the Sigil Cafe or for the Spun Chunks once it exits that 30-day window. Now, you could argue that 90% of the downloads happen within the first 30 days. If it, you know, right. it, they trickle in. But those big flagship episodes on the uh, Spun Chunks, they still get downloads. Like our Green episode still gets hits on YouTube, especially. Uh, and, and like, so thankfully the YouTube metrics or stuff are not going to change. Johnny is the one that tracks all those cause he's more in the YouTube space and he knows the back end better than I do. And, uh, yeah, it, it was really frustrating because we got no warning. Ryan Murphy and I actually had a rant about it on text, uh, last week because we were both blindsided. We were logged in to check stuff and it's like, all of a sudden you couldn't check stuff. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, and they just kind of say, oh, give us $50 a year. It's like, that's not worth it. Like I, you know, I don't need to track this. I like to track mm. this. Now, the nice thing is at least that we can track the overall downloads of all time. So like the, how many times the show has been downloaded throughout its life hasn't changed. So that's good. Okay. On top of the numbers, it's also just for both the Citadel Cafe and the Spawn Chunks, the community members that have mm -hmm. kind of circulated through that, the people I've met online, online friends that I now have. Uh, our moderators across both communities, like all that kind of stuff is really the rewarding part about it because the downloads, you don't really get to talk to all the people that that listen, but you do get to talk to the people that support and are part of the Discord communities and, and all of that. Actually, that brings me into something I did want to mention because uh, over the, the month of July, where we didn't record any new episodes, I did edit and post some previously recorded ones. Uh, I did have the town hall quarterly hangout. I can't remember whether I mentioned this on one of the recorded shows. I absolutely brought it up on the discord and I know I mm. mentioned it live on my Twitch streams, but it was live recorded in discord on July 7th and uh, is partially edited. I should be putting it out at some point this week. Uh, that will not go on this podcast feed. Uh, this is for either patrons of the Citadel Cafe, patrons of me on Patreon for my Twitch streaming stuff, or people that support on Twitch. Basically, anybody that has access via supporting my projects to the Joel Duggan Discord 
we'll have a link to download the mp3 it's about 90 minutes i don't want to say it's oh, nice. dry because there was a a live chat room of about a dozen people or more uh, but i like when we do this on the sponge chunks johnny and i can kind of bounce stuff back and forth off each one one another and uh, this time around it was just me so it was just kind of like me talking straight out for 90 minutes right and essentially what i was doing was talking about like kind of like state of the union kind of like you know where are we with, this, with the Citadel Cafe going forward? How are we going to get some more guests on? What I'm looking forward to talking about and, and plans for the future. Uh, same thing with Twitch. I went over my adjustments on my Twitch schedule because I no longer stream on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and just stuff like that. And the metrics and download numbers and support ideas and uh, also like community event ideas and questions from the chat were were brought in. And for those, uh, those are logged in the Discord so people can go back and read through the chat log. Uh, so I'll have a link to that as well in the discord. I'll pin that so it's easy to find and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that happened. Uh, if you missed it, don't worry. Uh, it has been recorded. The plan was to record it and then post it like that weekend. Well, here I am right. a month later and I'm still on it. So, <laughs> um, but that just kind of goes with how busy things have been. Speaking of busy, one of the things that I've been keeping my eye on is the number of releases that are coming either to theaters or to streaming this summer. A lot of early summer blockbuster movies have started to hit the streaming services, depending on where you are. And mm -hmm. I thought I would just go kind of go through them. We did this very briefly with Brockett earlier in the spring in like a pass or play. This isn't going to be, I'm not going to have any opinions. I just kind of wanted to list the, the geeky side of things. This isn't everything. This is just kind of like the, the sci-fi and fantasy type stuff that's coming out over the next little while, including one show that was actually released on June 30th, which is Jack Ryan season four. And I've been watching that. So I'll be talking about that at some point on the show. I've brought it up before, but it's a really good spy spy thriller. I quite like that. That's on Prime Video. Does Prime release shows weekly or did they, with did season four all get dropped at the same time? Uh, it's weekly for Jack Ryan. New shows are on Thursday. New episodes are on Thursdays. Okay. And it's like a lot of other streaming services. It depends on the show. If it's, yeah. if it's one of their Amazon originals, that's perhaps not as cliffhangery. Mm -hmm. Then I think they kind of release them all at once. For example, I think Reacher was just like dumped, like just like, bam, just watch it. Cause I remember <laughs> having a hard time stopping. Uh, but then Jack Ryan, you don't have that option. Now season two of Reacher, maybe they'll go weekly. Because I think that's a better discourse. There's less pressure to catch up. You don't feel like you're going to get spoiled by being on the internet before you're done something. You know, like I, I feel yeah. like the, the weekly release is better. They certainly get more longevity out of their streaming services if they do it, right? Yeah, it's better for conversation too because, I mean, you know, Stranger Things was on and they dumped the first half of season four or whatever and somebody just blitzes it all in one weekend and then somebody else is trying to do like one episode every few days or something like that, then you just, you can't really talk about it as uh in the same way that you can, if everybody is like, okay, did you see this week's episode? And so you've got like an entire seven day period where yeah. everyone's on the same page, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And we really liked that when we were covering game of Thrones on the Citadel cafe years ago, when it was live on, on HBO, like it was, it would come out Sunday night. Everybody had like mm. Monday, Tuesday evening to kind of catch up depending on whether they watched it live that Sunday or whether they, you know, got together with their partner or their spouse, or whatever, and watched it on a Monday night or whatever. And then on Wednesday, we could all get together and talk about it. And I didn't feel bad putting the show out on Wednesday thinking like, look, if you're a fan of the show, you've seen it by now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't listen to a podcast on it. Exactly. If you seen exactly. It yet either. 
But even like having cool like splash art in the title card for the podcast, like I didn't worry too much about spoilers. I didn't put any like big spoilers in, the, you know, in the title card, but a yeah. scene that was cool, that would have been a cool reveal. I wasn't worried about putting that in the title card on a Wednesday because anybody that was that worried about stuff, they watched it Sunday night at midnight or something crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, at the time, a lot of us <laughs> all still had like jobs. We had to get up for Monday morning. So we were not watching it uh, late, late on, on Sunday night. Right. Um, I've also resubscribed to Netflix. I took a couple of months off just because I didn't find there was much on there. But uh, coming yeah. through on Netflix in July was 65. That's the um, Adam Driver prehistoric thriller uh, space sci-fi. I think he goes back in mm. time. Right. That was on July 8th. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I couldn't find when this was released, but it's out now. So you can, you know, is, you can yeah. watch it. Uh, I um I have that bookmarked on Netflix. That is on my radar. The Batman, nice. July 18th. I've already seen this, actually. I, I watched it on Crave the last time I was subbed on Crave. But The Batman is, uh, has been on Quite Netflix good, yeah. since July 18th. The Dragon Prince Season 5. I don't know when that came out, but it's recent. I think it was just... Did they change the name of it? Because we went looking for... I went looking for that a little while ago for Season 4, and I hadn't found it. I didn't find it so there's a subtext or subtitle for it now it's like the mm. dragon prince is in small text and then the title of the chapter is in big text because it used to be like chapter one chapter two that kind of thing and they've done the tales something... of aurora or something you're or... right it's I something it's something like that right so it's it's okay. a, yeah it, it, the art is easy to see because you recognize it immediately uh but yeah it there's the, it's got like a subtitle as well these okay. things all have titles that are far too long to even read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Witcher, the Witcher season three, part one was early July. Part two came out July 27th. This is kind of what I was waiting for. I was waiting for the second part to be on Netflix before I subscribed. And then right, right, right. the little Joel likes his nice and tidy little boxes wait until, waited until August 1st to, to resub so that my Netflix sub is in a nice <laughs> spot, uh, along with a lot of other subscriptions and things like that. Moving on into August. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem premieres today. That is out I August 2nd in theaters. I really want to go see it. I'm seeing a lot of really good things. Lots of uh, positive feedback online. Apparently, it's a lot of fun. Blue Beetle is coming out on August 18th. Can't say I'm going to rush out to see it, but... I think that'll be a streaming or a rent online kind of thing. Yep. Folks that are interested in what DC is doing, um, there you go. There's your your next your next film. Netflix films in August are The Matrix Resurrections on August 10th, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, August 24th, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore on August 30th, and then for series, One Piece. And this is interesting to me, despite having only pop culture knowledge of uh, the anime, this is the live action version of the anime, sort of like what they did with Cowboy Bebop. And so One Piece right. on August 31st. I have I know nothing. I've seen clips from the anime. I thought it looked stupid, but <laughs> but the live action looks like it has a really high production value. And I know a lot of people like One Piece. Like it's a huge IP. So yeah. I don't know. I gave it a go once. I feel bad saying it, but I had the same kind of reaction that you did the first time I watched it. So I, I kind of want to give it a go again. But But yeah, maybe I'll give the live action show a go first and that'll make me want to go back to it. Yeah, if the live action says like, okay, this is cool. I want to know more about the lore or something like that. And I find that through watching some of the uh, reaction channels that I like on YouTube. And they say, oh, yeah, this is really good. And if you like this, then you'd like this season of One Piece. Or like, here's right. the, you know, sort of like how Disney Plus has said like, oh, hey, uh, Ahsoka is coming out on August 23rd. 
here is like a, a short list of Ahsoka episodes from the Clone Wars and various other animated stuff right, if you right, want right. to catch up. So if One Piece does that, I was like, you know, that that might be a way for me to get into it. It's like, OK, if you really like this one character from One Piece, here are some key episodes that you should go look at. And then you're going to be more engaged because it's about a character that you're already interested in. Um, and that actually brings me to the last part of this, which is the Disney Plus stuff. Uh, really not a lot going on. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is streaming now. And as I mentioned, Ahsoka comes out on the 23rd. Uh, now that will also be releasing weekly. However, on August 23rd, episode one and two of Ahsoka is going to be released. It's going to like a mini mini movie nice. or a two episode uh, release, which is good. Because I think that'll kind of get enough people invested. I mean, I'm already invested. I, I saw this really cool meme the other day and it was Ahsoka in a fighting stance in all the different stages of her like model in animation right up to the current version with Rosario Dawson in the the full kind of cosmetic um getup and nice. it was really cool to see how they age Ahsoka cuz she goes from like you know 13 14 to like more of a older teenager to like an adult you know in certain versions uh, of her uh and then of course, you have like the Rosario Dawson version, which you can see immediately looks like Rosario Dawson. They didn't change her facial structure very much. Uh, but when you have them lined up with the cartoon, you're like, you know, she's not that far off. <laughs> it's, mm. it's really good. It's it's nice. really good. And I think it helps that because you've gone from watching such a young Ahsoka and there's such a huge time difference between the last time I think that we saw Ahsoka in the animated series and Rosario Dawson and not say huge, but like in terms of a, the lifespan of a humanoid, like we're talking 10 to 15 years. So the fact that she looks a little bit older, it doesn't break any suspension of disbelief. Like you, you kind of, you know that it's the character you're feeling pretty, right. pretty good about it. So, uh, but yeah, out of all of those, I think the only two that I'm interested in are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Ahsoka. <laughs> Everything else I'm kind of like, meh, sure. Uh, some of them I've seen the dragon prince lost me. I tried to get into one of the seasons and it got real weird. And I was just like, you know what? I think I'm done with this. Mm. I might try to give it a go again. Now that I, now that I'm aware that it is, it is that other show or the, it is the same show, but under a different title in, in Netflix, because I, I sort of lost, lost track of it. But. The part that I remember where I was checking out was a conversation between, and I don't remember any of the characters names. There's the bad guy wizard that's been resurrected and his daughter she's mm. the the ditzy but powerful kind of goth wizard and she right. has a boyfriend who's like a satyr or something he's like half goat something like that and mm. it gets very like modern teen drama date meet my dad stuff uh, and i'm just like but i want a fantasy show like i want dungeons and dragons and a new new ip kind of this i don't want i don't care whether you're dating anybody because because they always they use like modern kind of words for everything and i just yeah. it, it really pulled me out of it it's it's like when it's too bad it's like watching like a high elf in lord of the rings if they were using slang like it just doesn't work you know it 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 works in a comedy satire where everybody is using slang maybe but not if like elrond was like yo what's up yeah like it just that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't fly that's not how these things work and that's not usually what people sign up for so um i haven't gotten back to it so moving into the main discussion this week, uh, Stephen and I are going to be talking about Marvel's Secret Invasion, which has mm -hmm. aired in its entirety. It is all six episodes available now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, that began on June 22nd and was released weekly. 
I don't remember whether they did like a double start with two episodes or whether they had like a double ending, but six episodes is nothing these days. It's actually really nice yeah. that they kept it so concise. Uh, that means that we are going to talk spoilers. There's no way to get around this. If you have not watched it, then it's not a big investment. I don't even think that all of the episodes were an hour long because I definitely watched like no. two or three of them on sunday night to kind of catch up and get ready for tonight and it went by in a heartbeat like i just was like oh yeah next totally let's go like i i didn't have a, a problem with that i didn't feel like i was sitting on the couch for ages so we will uh, be getting into spoilers for that right mm -hmm. now and i think the best way to do this is probably start with our old uh, pros and cons and i'll throw it to you so overall first impressions and then what do you think were the strengths of secret invasion i cheated a bit i read through your notes beforehand and so we'll probably end up agreeing on a lot of stuff. Um, I guess the first thing that I'm going to say, because <laughs> you and I tend to kind of get nitpicky on the things that we didn't like. So I'll just, I'll just start by saying, overall, I enjoyed the show. It wasn't perfect. There were some things that just kind of left me going, I wish they had done it a different way. But overall, I liked the fact that it felt like, you know, back in the early Marvel movies when Hydra was there and you didn't know who you could trust and there's you know, this undercover person going doing this thing, can you trust what they're saying? It, it felt like it was a little bit of a throwback to that kind of old Marvel storyline. Just It reminded me, I guess, a lot of, of Winter Soldier in that way, which is one of my favorite ones. So I just, I kind of like that. But yeah, that's that's my big, I guess, overall initial impression of the, the show. Overall, I think I, I mean, I agree with that. I think that I had some things that would be failings of the show but it's not like i stopped watching it like yeah. there was enough going on and enough very good parts that I, and very good characters and stuff that i was like no i'm on board like i need i've seen it four episodes in i'm going to see it through uh and i think right. part of that comes with the knowledge that there were only six episodes if it started to be a slog and it was 12 i'd be like oh man like what am i going to do between now and wednesday like i have to force feed this into me to get ready for it uh, but because it was so accessible, I think that was the major difference. Whereas it's like, and the fact that they weren't long mm -hmm. and despite any of the grievances that I had, I don't think anything dragged. There was no, no checking my phone. There was none of that. So I think the pacing was probably the thing that kept me through any of the sticking points, but yeah, overall, like again, good, good experience. And for the things that we got out of it, I'd still put it on as a, you should watch it. You know, like, I, I think that it's a, it's a recommend. Like, it's not a, it's not a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 where I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> you really don't need to. I think you should actually give that another go on a day you have nothing to watch. I actually thought it was the best of the three movies. Really? <laughs> yeah, I know you're like, you had technical judging. issues. Yeah, I'm not judging you. No, no, it was. And I, I try to separate the, the technical things of seeing it in theater with Alistair as best I can. But I really, I just have, I think I just have a problem with, james gunn's directing and writing style i think it's just you know i don't think it's i i know it's not for me i don't want to mm -hmm. ruin it for anybody else i guess is the best way to, to say it you know fair enough I, I felt of the three of them it had the most heart like it felt like it was actually like the the background story for one of the main characters i thought i thought that was far more interesting than it the other ones just felt superficial i mean either way we don't need to talk about that a lot but like give it another go when you're thinking like i want to watch something but i'm not sure just but back to Secret Invasion, I, I would I would agree with that. It's like it, I would definitely recommend watching it if you're a fan of the Marvel stuff. As you mentioned, there's some some things that were a little bit a little bit off. But I guess the premise for anyone's wondering, just in a nutshell, it's like basically 
Fury made a deal with the Skrulls back in the day when, like, basically in 1995, when uh, during the Captain Marvel movie, that he was going to help them find a new planet. He didn't. Then he disappeared in the blip. And then all the Skrulls basically had to fend for themselves on Earth. And that's just essentially where the whole thing picks up. I think something that's interesting about that, because they give you this kind of stuff in flashbacks. And some of the interesting things that you get with a conversation with uh, Talos is that they didn't just hang out and do nothing. Yeah. A lot of the Skrulls were working for S.H.I.E.L.D. because they're the perfect spy, right? Like mm -hmm. they can take the form of anybody as long as they've got like physical contact or DNA access. And that includes memories, depending on like what tech they have available. Which and I didn't realize before until no, the show. Neither did I. And I I need to check with someone. And if anybody out there, that actually brings me to an important point. If you are out there and you are a Marvel comic nerd and you know the Secret Wars storyline and the Secret Invasion and stuff, and you know the differences between how they handle it in the MCU and the Secret Invasion TV show and uh want to write in and let us know by all means because i do remember peyton was reading this series and he was telling me about it because i saw the cover of one of his books like why does thor look like a dragon because the scrolls mm -hmm. look really different in the comics than they do in in the in the show the they still have the same kind of like chin uh fins like kind of lines or or Right. Um, not like horny parts on their chin, but they had a different jaw structure in the comics. They they look more like dogs or hounds. They had much longer faces, which would be a nightmare from prosthetics wise, you know, in, in yeah, no live kidding. action. So you understood like why they make the changes. But once Peyton explained like, oh, this is a set of aliens that can take on the the guise of anybody that they want. It's just it's a physical ability that they have kind of like. Odo from Deep Space Nine, but they also can take on powers. So like if they decide to shapeshift into one of the superheroes in the comics, then they get all the powers too. And I'm just like, that sounds ridiculously convoluted. And Peyton yeah. kind of like acknowledged like, yeah, it, like it's a lot because it's meant to sell comic books. It's like a who's who. And when you're drawing everything, you don't have any restrictions. Like you just draw Captain America like you draw Captain America in every other comic, it's only up to the writers whether or not you reveal that he's really a scroll. <laughs> you know, just yeah. there's no special effects needed at all. It's just it's it's very Cylon, very Battlestar Galactica, uh, a lot of Terminator Two type stuff going on. Like there's there's an awful lot of that kind of stuff. So right away, I thought this is a pretty steep premise. I was curious to see how the new MCU and this Disney series was going to handle it. I knew going in that I was glad that it was a series and not a film. Like I, I don't yeah. think that you could handle this in a film in the same way that they did in a, in a mini series, I guess we can call no. it. it. It would have been just so like, they would have jammed so much stuff in such a short period. It wouldn't have worked very well. As we're talking through this, I, I think we sort of may have <laughs> hit a, hit on a continuity issue because in the show, as you said, they're actually able to take people's memories and just straight up assume their lives. But in Captain Captain Marvel, when we first met the Skrulls, that was how um, Fury knew that his director wasn't his director because he called, I think it was his director, called him uh, called him Nick or Nicholas or something like that. And basically, he, then he was able to say, no, nobody calls me that. Everyone only calls me Fury. If they would have gotten the person's, like their entire memories, they wouldn't have made that mistake. 
Do you know what I mean? Like they would have known that they only call him Fury. Yeah. So that's uh, I think that's like a a slip up there. And the only thing I can think of in this series, and I did only watch it through the once, is that when they're talking about getting the memories of the person and the perfect copy, there's a lot of tech there. Like the person has to be subdued and there's like a a machine that they're hooked up to. Oh, okay. And that isn't in Captain Marvel. So I don't know. They don't explain it to you in any way, which is, I think, one of the strengths of the show. They don't explain a lot of stuff. Uh, They don't beat you over the head with the plot. But that's the only difference I can think of is that they had a lot of tech in the compound in this show where they were basically copying people. But they had... They did not have any of that in the Captain Marvel movie that I remember. No, they did, if they did, they didn't show it at all. So that, right. that's, a, that's a really good point. So it's possible that that device that had the people sedated was like was also neurologically hooked up somehow that could transfer that information mm. over. So no, that's a, that's a good point. But. So, you know, going through the things that you really liked about Secret Invasion, like what were your top takeaways in terms of like, I'm really enjoying this. Well, as I mentioned, the the main thing for me is like how it felt so much like a throwback to the Marvel movies of old. That was my favorite. Uh, the favorite thing about it. I did like uh, Amelia Clark. I think she's... I, I like her in everything. I think she's a great actor. So it was cool that she was brought in in a, diff, a different role than you usually see her. And the, the acting was solid. And honestly, the ac- the action was decent as well. The, the more I think about it, and I probably would have said, you know, I would have given this like a 7 out of 10. But when I look at the things that I liked, I thought they actually did a pretty darn good job at those things. Then there, there is, it was just the things that I didn't care for as much that sort of like not, knocked it down pegs. Like it, it felt like it knocked it down further than I would have liked in terms of uh, just some of the, like I didn't care. There's, there are parts with Nick Fury where I just didn't, I didn't care for how his character reacted in conversations with Talos. I thought like Talos was given some, you know, they didn't actually do the flashbacks to, to tell the story. They just had a conversation on a train. Right. And Talos was saying some stuff like, you know, basically you're only where you are because of us. You know, we were there to make all kinds of stuff go your way so that you were able to kind of rise up to the ranks. And, and it probably wasn't just 100% that because Fury is pretty badass in his own right. So he would have had something to do with it as well. But you know, it was just like, basically, we we didn't know anything about that, like, Fury's rise up through the ranks with S.H.I.E.L.D. until that conversation on the train. I thought, oh, that was pretty cool. And it felt like that was a moment where Fury could have said, yes, I know, you're right. And I appreciate it. And then, like, but, but he just, he didn't. He just, like, responded with some snark attitude thing. Like, it didn't, almost didn't even acknowledge the fact that they played a huge part in, in getting to where he was, which was just which struck me as weird. And then there's a couple of other points as well, where it just felt like seeing a more sincere side of Fury might've been a little bit out of character, but it felt like it would have been right for the moment. But then it was just very much the, you know, a typical Fury quip and like, didn't necessarily acknowledge the, this not serious nature of it, but just like, I don't know, felt like he could have sat in his feels for a little bit in these moments, but he just kind of did the snark response and moved on from there. It just felt made it made him feel a little bit just flatter. In the sense, I felt like he could have been a little bit, a little bit more well-rounded in, in like a TV show of his own, essentially. So I felt that Fury did have some depth to him throughout the series. I agree that not in that moment. Like I, I think he was on the defense. I feel like the news, like Talos says, there's a million of us on this planet. 
And I don't think Fury got past that comment. Like, I don't think he listened to anything else that Taylor said after that. He yeah, was but... just he was just in that fight or flight mode the whole time. I'm not excusing it, but I'm, I'm saying like that's yeah. that's where he was. I think we get to see those deeper emotional sides of Fury throughout the series. They just chose not to do it with Talos. They chose to do it with Priscilla or they chose to do it with. Yes. Um, uh, Sonia Fallsworth, who's played by Olivia Coleman, like the different characters that they have, even with Amelia, there's some um, with Gaia, there's some um, spots there where Nick kind of not doesn't really let his guard down, but you just kind of see a different side. And I think across the board, you know, the main character acting is is great. Yes. Oh, I agree. I agree. I thought I thought it was well acted. I just thought like that the choices that they gave him at that, like it just it felt like a weird weird choices at that point. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Jackson delivers on all the things that they they set out mm-hmm. for the character to do. Like it takes Nick, the different Nick Fury. It's a very different yes. Nick Fury than you get to see right up into you know Endgame. Even even the Nick Fury that we saw in No Way Home. No, sorry, that's he wasn't in No Way Home. He was in Far From Home, the one in London. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he and Hill played a big part of that, and. Like that is very much the fury we all kind of like know and love from all the different movies. And that's not the fury that you got here. And I thought that was good. No. Like I thought that was an interesting choice. And I thought that he delivered on that. And yeah. um, I feel like they paired that with Olivia Coleman, who has all the quips and does all the fun, brutal, fantastic spy yeah. comments that fury used to in in the other in the other films and now it's all um with sonia fallsworth i don't remember exactly her position but she's some some high up in like mi5 like she's a she's like basically the top of the cia for the brits i don't remember what it's called she was great as well it's very 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 no nonsense but very like almost like light and polite yes she's just being efficient an efficient badass yes yeah (laughs) it was like it was a great juxtaposition position between what she was doing and how she was delivering her lines it was just like oh that's you're yeah. lovely and deadly. <laughs> I'm going to torture you and remove a finger so I can get out of here for afternoon tea. Like just very, yeah, very exactly. matter of fact, very, very matter of fact. Um, <laughs> Cuts off a finger. Oh, yeah. Well, that confirms that. <laughs> the other thing was in a very different way, the delivery from Ben Mendelsohn, who plays Talos, that was really nuanced. And he, I mean, he's always like that. And any of the things that I've seen him in, he's always very mm. layered and you really have to pay attention to what he's saying, how he's saying it. Uh, and I think that they do a really good job both with uh, Mendelssohn's performance and with the writing for Talos communicating the complexity of the Skrulls situation. Because yeah. as the plot kind of un- unravels and we and we get to see what's going on, yes, there's a million Skrulls on the planet. Most of them are peacefully living among us and no one knows the difference, so who cares? The big issue is that within the Skrull community, there is a terrorist faction that are now out to say, you know what? We want this planet for ourselves. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the scary part. And so just as in any situation in, in our world in 2023 here, you've got some bad actors within a certain community that then label that community as bad or will lead to labeling that community as bad. And, and so Mendelssohn through the performance in Talos is trying to explain the rock in a hard place that he was in when Fury was not there because not by choice, he was snapped away by Thanos. Like just, he just wasn't around. And so they had to do something 
you know, like he put out the distress, like, hey, Earth is a safe place. And like, it's like a house party. You put out an invite to 20 people and 150 people show up and like you just you have to deal with it somehow. Sure. You know, like I and I think that that the, he handled the the weight of that decision. He owned it. He didn't shy away from look. I'm trying to save my people. I'm not apologizing for that. You know, and that fight on the train, I I feel like they made up for it later. But don't ask me if I remember the specifics of that scene. It felt very like bro forgiveness like it was kind of like mm. a couple of days of silence and then like well shit we have to do a job i guess we should make up and be friends so we can get this done you're like it, it didn't feel like they gave it its due uh which yeah. may be why you have such a problem with it is that like they never resolved that and i guess i'm just tired of like guys being guys all the time mm. because that's how guys are that's and it's fair. just like no it's just like they just they didn't deal with it they just move past it and sort of like maybe we just won't talk about it again I was trying to remember what else bugged me about Fury, and like you, you were right. This is a very different Fury from what we're used to. But like through the story, we find out that he essentially, after the blip, he—it's not Shield. What's the other one? Saber. He's been up in space, orbiting around Earth since he got back. Like even Maria Hill, um, it's, it's like even in the trailer it says, "For years you've been avoiding Earth." I've called you plenty of times, basically, and it just goes straight to voicemail and. And then he says, well, now this is different. I come back. And like, I, don't, I don't ever remember Nick Fury turning his back on anything. It just, it just, I don't know. Again, overall, like the show, this is what I was talking about. We can get into the picking. <laughs> the things we, the things that I didn't like about it just kind of like gnawed at me because it just felt like if they were, I don't know, a bit different that I would have enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, they don't give you an explanation for that. And as they explain the, the plot, which... I will give the show credit for again, like you can't be on your phone. It's it's not explained through monologuing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's explained through conversations with various different characters, all of whom have a piece to what's going on. And so you are finding yeah. out the pieces as they are finding out the pieces, but they have not all talked to one another yet. So the idea is that you're supposed to kind of get there as an audience member just a little bit before Fury and Fallsworth and talos and like and everybody kind of catches up including um the the villain um garrick uh gravik sorry played by uh kingsley ben uh, uh who i think did a really good job as well as far as like the first yeah the first Agreed. three quarters of it i i i lay it at the feet of the character writing not not his performance for the the finale and and, and that stuff but overall he's a very calm very intelligent person that's leading this terrorist faction he has some sort of chip on his shoulder but you don't know what at that point uh reminds you very much of a bond villain you know like the kind of like i have a history with fury and i'm as i'm out Mm -hmm. as much to make fury watch the world burn as i am trying to make you know a, a home for the scrolls on on earth and screw anybody that gets in the way um they yeah. they don't beat you over the head with those those motivations like you kind of have to watch figure out what their history is realize that he was a child back in 95 and that like that's how he arrived to earth and he used to actually work with fury and like they're gonna get into all that and so but at, at a certain point it feels like the motivation for the villain um is all kind of stemming from some sort of childhood trauma so it breaks down from being like evil genius to just like sp- not spoiled brat but like pouty adult like it just he gets he he gets pouty yeah. at some point and it just it does it does kind of lose me um yeah i hadn't thought of that but a good point. to before i get into the the cons the 
the thing that I like so much about specifically the conversations we have with Talos, but also we get it from Gravik. We definitely get it from Gaia. Uh, and any conversation that Gaia yes. has with Fury or Gaia has with Talos, especially, um, I really like the way that they communicate the culture and values and specifically how scrolls emote. Uh, we also get this from Priscilla, who we find out is not only a scroll, but it's Nick Fury's wife, and he's aware of it. I there's a point when you realize that she's a scroll, and you're like, I don't know if Nick knows this. And then when you find out that he does, and he always has known it, and that he Nick Fury has chosen a scroll as his life partner, like it really adds a lot of layers yeah. to how the scrolls work emotionally, specifically their interactions. Nick Fury and his wife Priscilla have a very odd relationship real like really mm -hmm. strange and and they they communicate that again very very well without them sitting down essentially like in a wb style saying like we have a very strange relationship well that's us yuck 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 like they, they don't do that right yeah. like they <laughs> it's through their actions it's it's through their conversations they they have this poem that they recite back and forth to one another that's something that she was written to when they were first dating or or, or circling one another because i don't feel like they dated really it's more like they kind of danced like they kind of just dosy doed around yeah. one another with verbal kind of jabs and and flirting and stuff like that in the flashbacks that we did see uh and so i really liked that window into the scrolls culture because the only other real face that you see of the scrolls in the show are the terrorist scroll faction the people that are out just like stealing people's brains and 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 murdering humans like they're just not nice at all and they're really hard to stop because they've got already the scrolls have got super strength and the ability to blend in anywhere and they cause all, all kinds of problems um and i think mm -hmm. the other thing that really kind of picked me up and this is you know I'll, I'll get right into this i mean we've already mentioned spoilers but the twist at the end with gaia taking on the form of nick fury i really thought was was excellent because it got me like i was just like oh it, like yeah. i did not even well. clue in because i think for both her benefit in the fight with gravic she was faking the radiation sickness so you're watching uh, nick fury in a abandoned nuclear facility trying to find gravic and stop what's going on and as he gets closer and closer to the old reactor he gets sicker and sicker and sicker as any human would scrolls are immune to radioactivity they let you know that at some point early on in the show and so you're like okay well how is ailing fury gonna fight superpowered alien mm -hmm. gravic when there was no and the reason why i think it got me and probably you as well is that you know a gaia as fury like like you said he's coughing and stuff but he started doing the coughing and acting like he was being affected by the radiation like far before anyone could see him and, you know, looking yes. back at it now, probably in case there were like uh, security cameras and stuff watching him come in. But it was like he looked like he was being affected by the radiation, like almost immediately getting onto the compound well before he uh, found Gravik. So, yeah, I, th I thought it was really well done. And I think in some point that was for our benefit, like it was to sell the misdirect right oh, yeah. but but i agree i thought that was good and it makes sense you know like security cameras like all that kind of stuff because they they had they had cell phone monitoring stuff they had video cameras they had a bunch of different security around the, the compound that we saw at, at various points throughout the show uh but but i thought that was a really nice twist and how they don't pull any punches uh was a plus even though i didn't like 
the fact that some of my favorite characters died. Uh, I think Ugh. I think that at least they had the guts to do it. It's the one thing I don't like about shows like this very often is like the people that are all headliners never die. So you're not worried about them oh, yeah. throughout the whole show, right? Or at least like in a miniseries, you don't have a season two. So there is some stakes, you know? But the two things that I thought um, were a waste was Talos dying very unceremoniously. Like it was just very quick, yeah. very done. I mean, I guess in a way realistic, but I thought really unresolved. I didn't like the fact that we lost him in that way. Yes. I mean, he he died heroically as, you know, the scroll that everyone saw save the president. Like he, he basically was rescuing the president from an overturned car but got shot so he died from that but it was just he just died and was left in the middle of the road basically because fury had to get away so he just left him which just felt like it would you know left a bad taste in my mouth and it speaks to my problem with the scrolls in general which is that they're op like in this giant battle gravik switched to yet another person like he changed into another face mm. was able to get close enough to talos to basically just like ninja stab him because otherwise it would have been more of a fight. Because we already established early on in the series when Talos has a a, a oh, fight right. with a big yeah. scroll in in the a bathroom, uh, and it's violent, really well choreographed, like really cool. And he can hold his own, right? He's a little rusty, but he can hold his own, and he really wants to be able to hold his own. So you're waiting for Talos to get his win. You know, he's got this belief system. He's got this plan. He really wants to try to find this peaceful resolution between human and scrolls. And he he wants to get back in the game. Like he wants more respect. He wants all of these things and he gets none of it. There's no resolution for him whatsoever. Even like you were saying about the conversation mm -hmm. that him and Nick Fury had, you know, where he's trying to explain to Nick Fury what he had to do while Nick was away. And Nick doesn't come to meet him. Like Nick doesn't forgive him or hear him. None of that. And he just dies. And it's just like, it just really was not a good feeling. Now, I know characters dying in general, it's not supposed to be a happy ending, you know, like you're not supposed to feel good about it, but I, I feel like they kind of right. cut him short. And then the killing of agent Maria Hill right off the bat was Ooh. a gut punch. Like that was episode one. Right. And yeah, then it was also caught on video conveniently by from where I don't know. Cause they show us this video footage later uh, as Rhodey is, has been replaced by a scroll and he's threatening Nick Fury with this footage because Gravik turned into Fury and then shot Hill. And again, underlying the whole OP situation with the shapeshifting. And they were using it to blackmail Fury, but then they never do it. Like they never use it. They just say they're going to do it. And ultimately it doesn't matter because Nick Fury is ahead of them anyway. And it just removes any importance that killing hill had it really felt like by the way your contract with disney is over by bang like just it's it was very yeah. scripty and I, I i didn't like it at all another thing that left a bad taste in my mouth is that the last thing that she saw was fury killing her and her like the last thing that she says is it was you basically like why like let not over not only kill off a, a character that i loved i thought she was fantastic um i was i always kind of hoped that she would somehow come up come out as like one of the more important characters in a series or something like that because i just felt like she was just she was so cool there all the time 
and a badass in her own right. And then just to have her die in the, like, as you said, in the first episode, but then have her last line be about her thinking she was betrayed by Fury just seemed like what a weird and awful way to have her leave the series or the shows. Well, I didn't get that. I thought she was, I thought she was telling him that it was a scroll. Like it was someone as you, but that's all she can get out was it was you because you know, it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, I I think that's, I think that's what they were trying to do, but I agree with you. I think they failed. Maybe. Yeah. Cause, cause Nick right afterwards said, no, it wasn't me or or something to that effect. So, or no, not me. So I I feel like she, either way, I'll maybe I'll go back and watch it again, but either way, rotten way. Yeah. It wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't, wasn't the best. So like, that's, that's my first big con was, was that, uh, and, and Talos, um, dying in the way that he did gravik as the villain was compelling through the last two episodes maybe where he lost everything uh his motivation flipped Mm. from delusionally like saving his species quote unquote to like typical tyrannical power like he went cartoon disney villain at the end uh to the point where he was killing his own people yeah and and it just it just went from I'm an intelligent person with a mission with the misguided benefit of my people. Like I want to save my people, which is an honest motivation. Unfortunately, he wants to kill the human race in order to do that. But with, with strategic forethought as well, like it seems like everything was well-planned. A lot of it was like, everything was meticulous. Like, like you were saying right up until the end. In a way, you sort of see glimpses of that early on because he he kind of manipulates the council into giving him this power as the full general of the scrolls or whatever they want to call it. And it reminds me of this sort of like the Klingon culture in Star Trek. Like there's a lot of rank and prowess and power Mm. and and war and victory and that kind of stuff. It's not quite the same. They still talk about it in a more intelligent, more... I'll say balanced way. Uh, it's not the be all end all, but it is certainly something that they respect, which is strength and victory, yeah. uh, physical strength and victory specifically. And at the end, in the last few episodes, it turned into just angry acting. He was just screaming a lot. And it really felt like childhood trauma laid at the feet of Nick Fury, uh, not keeping his promise. No one seems to forgive the fact that it wasn't Nick's idea to leave for five years. Like I, they, and I understand like what you said earlier that Nick, when he does come back, he ends up in up on saber orbiting the earth and doesn't really interact that much. Like I understand that, but they always say it like it started at this, you know, with the snap. It's like, but that's not anybody's fault, (laughs) but Thanos and he's dead. Like I just, I really found it strange that they lay the blame at the feet of Fury for something that he really didn't have any control over. Um, and that and that's where I feel like, for me, the villain really kind of went sideways in terms of um, Gravik and Benadir kind of like, they, he had me for the first half, I want to say, but then as it unraveled mm-hmm. near the end, and it just went for this like grab for power. It just, it really didn't work for me. Um, and then of course, when it gets to the climax, we don't even see uh, Benadir the actor. It's a CG super scroll graphic. Like he switches over to scroll mode, which we've never seen the entire show. He, he shifts into other humans, but he doesn't actually show his scroll face. And so many of the other scrolls 
you can see Mendelssohn under the cosmetic makeup. You can see uh, the actor that yeah. played uh, Priscilla, um, Charlene Woodard. You can see her under the Skrull prosthetic makeup, but we never get to see Benadir under the makeup because when he changes, he's got other abilities. And so he gets bigger. And so he's all CG. And so it doesn't. And the CG acting in this is terrible. Uh, it, it's not it's yeah. not good at all. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, though. That's actually one of the things that I did like as well, because because the scrolls do morph and transition from person to person or being to being, they don't actually, they did a really good job, I felt in this one, of having them change from person to person without the need of showing it morph all the time. Oh, like yeah. When Graphic was leading um, Fury on, he would slip behind, like, I don't know, like, probably not a phone booth, but just for example, if he stepped behind a phone booth and then passed it on the other side, he was suddenly a different person. And then he went behind a parked truck and came out the other side and he was a different person. So I think they did a really good job. And I didn't feel like I was cheated by it either because um, a CGI has been not great on, unfortunately, Disney Plus Marvel shows for the last little while. So I felt like that it was actually a really solid way of doing it, but also a way to make it look more like the way that um, Fury was experiencing it was like how well they can actually blend in with society as well. I thought it was great. And then, and then you're right, the CGI, when they, when they actually show the CGI morphing and acting, it's just, it's not, <laughs> it's not okay. I think the benefit of using practical effects really helped too. Uh, something I liked about the mm -hmm. scrolls is that they have to concentrate. It, it is a muscle. It's a very well-trained muscle, but it is a muscle. And if they get hurt, then they unravel. Like they basically can't keep it up, especially yeah. in that area. So like if they get shot in the leg, not only do they bleed purple, but they also kind of like they, their leg will change where if they get shot in the hand or if they get hurt, their, their hand will change. And as Talos took a, I think a bullet to the shoulder or something like that, his entire shoulder mm -hmm. up his neck, his ear, like half of his head, it kind of all changed, but they used, they used a little bit of CG at right, first, right. but after it stopped, it was all a physical, like half scroll, rest of it was just natural Mendelssohn, you know? And, and I thought that was very effective yeah. because then it was just prosthetics. Like it was just, it was there in real life. It was lit and everything by, you know, being outside. And I, I thought that worked, uh, in a, in a good way. Me too. Um, so there was pros and cons. And when scrolls died, it worked well as well. Not that I'm saying, you know, dead scrolls, hooray, but it, when you're, when you're transitioning from a human laying in still in one position to somebody in the practical makeup of the scroll laying there in exactly the same position as well, then basically it's just it's like a like a green screen wipe or whatever you want to call it from one to the other and that when they did that it actually worked really well as well it was just whenever they changed live and then basically kept the action or the talking going after they changed it then you can tell that it's just an overlay of cgi and it's done really poorly well this brought me into what i thought was the really dumb part of all this which is the way that scrolls are way overpowered and let alone super scrolls because then we get that too. So we find out, I, I can't remember when he gets hurt, but at some point Gravik takes a bullet and his hand heals. No, it's a knife. Mendelssohn, um, Talos sticks a butter knife through his hand at the table and he just kind of pulls it through. Right. It glows kind of red and then it heals. And I'm trying to remember where I've seen that power before, but I don't recall it. At any rate, he's got more powers than the average mm. Skrull. And his mission, as we find out, is to try and find the DNA of the Avengers because he was one of the crew that Nick Fury sent into New York after the events and, and all of the battles, apparently, 
uh, as the cleanup crew. And as part of the cleanup crew returning Earth to normal, they were also collecting samples of DNA all over the place because, of course, the Avengers bleed. And so you've got DNA records of all of the Avengers that Nick Fury thought would be a good idea to keep, I guess, because that's a ticking time bomb. Like it just it's really kind of yeah. like asking for trouble. Basically, if if that hadn't happened and if Nick had just torched the whole thing, then this entire movie doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, this entire series has no plot <laughs> if he was just a little that's bit true. smarter, right? Uh, anyway, to find out that he, uh, Gravik can combine the powers of all of the superheroes slash people that they have DNA access to at once, it's just too over the top for me. And then the fact that they actually do it was where I'm just like, I'm watching this because i have to talk about it on wednesday but i am not i am not <laughs> on board with the the last i think the last episode specifically the last fight scene so basically gaia impersonates nick gets into a fight with gravik in the chamber that they changed the dna sequence in and because she actually brought the dna to gravik which was a dumb idea they they both yep. are in the machine and it's at that point that you, you get revealed because you're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Is Nick Fury going to die here? Is he going to get powers? Is he going to be revealed that he's a scroll? Because that's what I thought was going to happen the whole time. I thought that it was going to be eventually revealed to the audience that Nick Fury died when he got scratched in the eye eventually. And that a scroll took him over and that the scroll has, you know, have been really running Earth for the last oh. while. That's what I thought was going to happen. And I thought as soon as he caught gravix punch i was like oh he is a scroll and then when gaia revealed that she wasn't nick fury at all it was gaia i was like okay i mean i'm on board for that that's clever yeah but then i realized that they're going to have this fight where now they both have superpowers because she gave herself the same powers that gravix had which is how she survived him trying to kill her mid-season anyway i wish i didn't buy for a hot minute by the way that was a terrible sort of like cliffhanger spot where they shot they shot her and it's like it's amelia clark i know that she's not dead in episode three like i just i understand <laughs> that the role that she has in this is still unresolved and there's just no way yeah. right so i didn't buy it for a second but then she gets all the power so and they go through this list on this computer screen it's like hulk captain marvel uh captain america like there's all of the avengers and then Groot, yeah. Groot, all these people so they get all of their dna and all of their powers all at the same time Cue the dumbest CGI fight that I think I have seen in film in recent memory, where <laughs> Gravik is now cartoon Gravik. He's a foot and a half taller. Yeah. He's kind of, he looks a lot like the Abomination, but he's got other abilities that he's showing off as well. A lot of Groot, he tends, seems to use Groot powers a lot. And he's fighting against uh, Gaia, who is now using everything. He is a scroll with all kinds of weird kind of like you see hints of different monster Avengers in him all over the place. And she is Amelia Clark in a leather jacket with one cartoon arm nearly the whole time. And it switches from whatever power she's using. It goes green for like a Hulk smash and it goes back to Drax for when she wants to do something. And that's it. It looks yeah. like when kids break their action figures and then put the arm from one character onto the, like, <laughs> except for the He-Man arm is way too big for the G.I. Joe body. You know what I mean? Like it, just, it looked stupid. And it made me realize that we never throughout this entire series get to see Gaia as a Skrull. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
I really don't think we get to see her as a scroll, at least not alive. I don't remember. Yeah, they, when, when she got shot, she did turn into a scroll, but but it wasn't close enough on her face to say like, oh, that's Amelia Clark in scroll makeup. You know what I mean? Like it was just it was just yeah. somebody on the yeah, ground. Yeah. And we never got to see her talking, acting, moving, you know, being her true self. They keep on talking about their true selves. Well, she's in a human body the whole time, even when she has superpowers and it doesn't matter. Anyway, they fight. It's this long cartoony over the top thing. Eventually, they're just shooting one another with Captain Marvel fist beams. Which I don't know why they didn't start with that. No, exactly. And and f they can't heal themselves from anything because I guess what she ends up doing is just somehow getting one up on him and shoots him through the chest with one of these beams, which basically puts a hole in him the size of a tire. And so he's dead. Can't heal from that, apparently, because she went through his heart or I don't know. Um, they don't really explain yeah. that to me. She got shot in the chest and she was fine. So the logic is lost. Um, and the biggest problem that I have with all of this, despite the fact that how dumb that was, that Nick Fury wasn't involved at all. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> is that now in the MCU, we have Gaia, who has all of the powers of all of the Avengers. Yeah. Can shapeshift into anybody she sees fit. Fucking stupid. Like, I just you might as well yeah. bring in a godlike character and say, okay, Avengers punch that. Like what's Sam Wilson going to do against Gaia? Nothing. I had the same feeling. It's just like what, you know, and why have a character like Captain Marvel, who's supposed to be, if not the strongest, close to the strongest. I think Adam, the new character from guardians of the galaxy, I think he's supposed to be the strongest, but, but just like, she's now like, how do you compete with that? We've had super strong characters before. Like, I mean, Thanos is a really good example of a better, a better supervillain because yeah, he's crazy strong. He can beat up the Hulk, but he's still mortal, right? Like, and he doesn't have yeah. infinite superpowers. He's only unstoppable when he had the gauntlet. And when he doesn't, he's a force to be reckoned with, but he's not unstoppable because they stopped him. You know what I mean? There was always a chance. There's always, there's, there's a plan. There's a mm -hmm. way that, or they have to find the way to do it and i i think that by bringing this this level of super scroll into the mcu like i mean i'm glad they didn't do it the other way around which would be you know movies where we're trying to figure out whether thor is really thor or thor is a scroll thor like i don't want that like I, yeah. I really don't want that um i just hope they find a way to kill gaia in like the next film series whatever i really as much as i love amelia clark Oh, you're, you're done with her now? <laughs> I thought it was a compelling character until they did that. There's this almost confrontation at the end between Gaia and Fallsworth where they've tracked her down and they want her to come in and they've brought a team of like apparently like security people to do what mm -hmm. I don't know. Firmly yeah. suggest she also come along. Like if she wants to murder all of them <laughs> with a snap, they're done. And she mentions that, like she brings it up. Like we're, we're already all thinking it, that she's way too overpowered, even for a comic TV show. Fallsworth decides to go with like diplomacy and it's like, no, no, I'm asking. I, you know, I'd like to talk to you. I think we can do a lot together. Like it was basically, you are currently on the run. Let's fix that. You know, kind of like offering something yeah. that she wants. As much as I love Captain Marvel in this universe, I already find Captain Marvel a little OP, you know, in terms of, coming in and saving the day. One of the, I think the strengths of the Marvel universe is that up until recently, 
no one character is all powerful. Like you really need the team. Right. You need Captain America. You need Nick Fury. You need Thor. You need all of these characters to come together and together they become the unstoppable force for good. But no, no one Avenger can really save the day when the threats are as large as they are for the Avengers. What you end up happening is, you know, what you end up seeing happen is in films like, you know, Civil War or Winter Soldier, the villains are on par with the hero. You know, it's Super Soldier against Super Soldier. It's yeah. Hulk versus Abomination. Like it's not Hulk versus Dormammu. You know what I mean? Like it's it, they they match them <laughs> to the powers on purpose because otherwise it just it's a joke. Like there's no tension whatsoever. It's one of those things that I was really, really upset the way that it ended because I, re I really liked the show up until it really spiraled for me out of control in the last episode, I think. is The last two kind of bleed together for me, but I think it was the last one that really kind of went sideways for me. Mm. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only Discord server, which is shared with my personal Discord and access to bonus cut audio sessions and the quarterly hangout that we did earlier in July once I have that posted. Special thanks going out to Bean Counter Patrons Cosmic and Smurf588. Thank you so much for your support on this episode. Patron count remains at 30. That is steady on from the last time we recorded. Our goal each time we sit down is to have at least one more patron than the previous episode. If you would like to become patron number 31, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. My pick this week is Lego. You're surprised. I know. This is the El Dorado Fortress from Lego Icons. More and more, I am intrigued and really impressed by what they're doing with the Icons series. Uh, I am currently in the process mm -hmm. of building the Motorized Lighthouse, which is one of the other Icon series. I started that on Friday. Oh, nice. Yeah, This is actually a remake from an original El Dorado playset, which I don't think I had, but I certainly saw on the shelves as a kid. It's set number 6276 was the original. Uh, they go into a little bit of detail on the Lego post. We'll have links to, in our show notes. Uh, this is set 10320, 2,509 pieces, 11 by 28 by 10 inches. So it's quite a, a long set. Plus it yeah. has a couple of different pieces to it. It's not cheap either. It's 279 Canadian, uh, but it has a rowboat, a sailboat, and of course the Eldorado Fortress Island that has a crane and a jail and a whole bunch of other things. I think to me, the the stuff that stands out about this that is more modern Lego than the old one is the way that they do the cobblestone work on the ramps. Uh, this also appears to be something that is hinged. It looks like there's a couple of plates because if you look at the Lego playset website, the way that they have it displayed, it looks like it kind of expands to be a different shape depending on how you want to have it set up. Uh, the wharf and the crane yes. can be separated. There's cannons. I remember the cannons. I still have some of those because they actually shoot. <laughs> you can They're spring-loaded. You can pull them back and, and set them out. And yeah, actually, it looks like there's uh, one, two, three, four, five different plates that are all kind of part of the base. Uh, they're all blue, so like they represent the water. Uh, and then the uh, the fortress island is built on top of that. And I again, like it, is, it looks really, really cool. Not the kind of Lego set that mm. I would build and display. Uh, I would have fun building it, but like it's the kind of thing where like I don't have a Lego room. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things that like on a shelf it feels kind of strange. It's more of a combination nostalgia playset for like the real heavy enthusiast. Where things like you know 
Optimus Prime or an X-Wing or the DeLorean. I feel like those look pretty good on a shelf. Yeah, they're definitely standalone pieces. Standalone, thank you. That's a that's a really good way, good way yeah. to say it. But I see what you mean about this one. I mean, just looking at the box for this one, the cover image for the box has the complete set, but it's on a surface that's been painted to look like water. And so that looks really sharp like that. So, But like all of the other images where it shows it on a table or just has it on a white background it's cool looking still but just i guess to reiterate what you're saying it's just it's almost like a it almost feels like it needs to go in a setting somewhere to be complete as opposed to just on its own and they don't mention anywhere what the piece count was in the original but i can already tell you that it's a lot lower because the cobblestone pieces is like one piece with a print of cobblestone on it like it's just one big lego ramp oh you know uh there's certainly a lot more going on in in the newer one and obviously more Lego pieces and things like that yeah i I like what they did with it too it looks it looks really cool uh anyway that's that's my pick this week Uh, what is yours drum roll please it's also Lego. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Exactly, yeah. In uh, keeping along the theme of other Lego sets I've built in the last little while, which have all been cars, we've got uh, the Corvette set from the uh, Lego Icon set as well. So it's um, it's it's pretty sharp looking. It's a great color. It's the classic red. Um, it's got great lines. There's something about it that it feels a little simpler in shape than I would like overall. Like, if I were to build this, it feels like it's a little bit simpler than the actual one would have been. I feel like it would have been a little bit more curvy, but it's still... I think they did a really solid job for for what the vehicle is. It's also... It's got, like, a nice little inset in the doors as well with, like, inlaid white and white wall tires. So, overall, I think it looks pretty sharp. I know what you mean about the curves. The original car, like, the actual car, has a lower rear and a higher hood. And the, the Lego car yeah. is is straight the whole way. Like there's no there's no arc because I, I it probably isn't something you can do very easily in Lego because it's such a subtle kind of like streamlined airstrip kind of look to it to the original. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, I I quite like it. I, the one thing that I find strange about some of these cars in in that there's a different scale. Uh, the two vehicles that I've built, uh, one of which you have as well, the Ecto one and Mm -hmm. then the delorean and they are roughly on the same sort of scale the delorean might actually be a little bit bigger in terms of like if you put the delorean next to the actual um uh meteor from ghostbusters i feel like the delorean would be a lot smaller than the delorean that i have like i don't think they're proportionate to one another but there's a bunch of other lego cars there's a charger there's the land rover that we've mentioned before on the show and then there's this corvette and i feel like these are all relatively the same scale like if you put the corvette and the charger and the mustang and the um i don't remember the scale of the the land rover i feel like the land rover was pretty good big but this is 13 inches long the corvette i feel like the land rover was nearly that tall like it felt like it was like a more of a taller how many inches is it? this one this the corvette is 13 so for perspective the ecto one is is 18 yeah so i think 13 is appropriate when you think in terms of like i i also have the the volkswagen beetle and i've got the the mini cooper and the, the vw van is small I think a lot of the scale of these things depends on the size of the tires they have available. Right. So if they go, well, you know, the, the tire that fits on the Mini has also got to be the tire that fits on the VW van. So the, the van is just smaller um, by comparison. When you say 13 inches, I'm just looking at my vehicles right now. 
that seems to be pretty good scale, I think, overall, because it's not a very big car. I was trying to remember where I saw, like, the show that I saw this in. This is, um, for anyone who saw uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, basically, this is Coulson's car. I mean, it's got his car didn't have the white on the sides, but it's almost identical to the car that he drove. It's pretty neat. I remember that, actually. Not from the sh- not from the show. I feel like he mentioned it at some point. Or maybe he was driving it in the Thor movie i can't remember yes yeah that's right yeah, yeah i think he yeah. did there's a couple couple different spots that i remember from but i mean and you can see that it's not tiny like when you look at it in the lego pictures like it looks like it could be kind of small because they do a really good job of hiding all the studs like there's very few if any mm-hmm. studs visible it's very very slick uh but then later on in the, in the um the promotional page you see it in someone's hand and you're like oh okay no that's pretty big like that's bigger than a loaf of bread sort of deal so could be a sizable part of the collection. Uh, the Porsche 911 is the other vehicle that I couldn't remember that they were doing. And I'm just realizing right. that they have a link to the Land Rover, which is 7 by 7 by 13 So maybe it is right on, on par. You know, like I guess, I think you're right. I think it depends on the wheels. I kind of wonder, yeah. I'd like to see the roster of wheels at Lego. Like, do they all have, do they have <laughs> some of them have got different shapes. Like there's car wheels and there's truck wheels like tractor kind of wheels but and then there's minifig scale wheels for like the kind of cars that you'd put in like a lego city like that are on scale with a minifigure but i don't recall there being dozens of different sizes of wheels like i think there's two or three different sizes because axles are only so big right so like you kind of have to you kind of have to have them all work together but I don't know. The more I look at that Land Rover, yeah. the more that I feel like that would be something that I could I could probably get behind because I've never been a car guy. But after building Ecto-1 and the DeLorean, I kind of feel like they're one of the cooler experiences that I've had, you know, building the vehicle like that. Now, I think the difference might be as well. There's going to be some cool little decorative, you know, things for the person that loves the Corvette and knows the Corvette. Mm-hmm. But nothing like the moving mechanisms in ecto one you know because it's not a fantasy car from the movies uh it's not the batmobile like that kind of stuff uh i I feel like that could be something where you'd have to be more of a of a car head perhaps but it's cool that they've got these uh and that all of these types of cars like i said the porsche the mustang the corvette they all seem to line up to be if you had them on the shelf next to each other they're probably comparable in terms of how big they are in real life compared to one another but my collection's growing and it's looking, it's, it, I actually almost need a, not not to be bragging because I don't have a huge shelf, but I, I feel like I need a bigger shelf to spread them out because it's, it's a pretty good collection now. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Stephen and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or follow the show by name on social media. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even YouTube. You can check it out on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to leave a review on your favorite platform that helps us reach new listeners. You can also just share the show via word of mouth. It's the easiest way to support us. It's free. You can just tell friends about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan, and you can find everything I do online at joelduggan.com, including a link to my other podcast all about Minecraft, at thespawnchunks.com. I'm Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream at least three days a week. Lego is on Friday and Minecraft the rest of the time. Stephen, where can people find you online? 
I can be found most frequently on Twitch at twitch.tv slash stevenesc, and again, Stephen with a PH. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. Two superpowers. Two. Two.